Well, good morning again. It's good to hear your voices. I, I sit in the back because of COVID. I'm ready to sit back out here with y'all, and um, I, I get to hear you singing in the back, and I heard you belting out that last one, and uh, made me excited to come out here and see you. Um, looking forward to our time uh, together this morning. We're going to have a, a, a brief meditation to prepare our hearts on this Mother's Day. Uh, I hope that maybe one of the gifts that I can give all the mothers is an opportunity to get to a restaurant early. Um, and so uh, if you were here last week, you're like, yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> but um, I genuinely mean that. But I, uh, I'm looking forward to our time together. If you're a guest here today, I just want to welcome you and just thank you for being here. Uh, you can text the word guest to the number on the screen if you'd like to connect with us and give us an opportunity to uh, minister to you uh, in any way that you may have need and answer any questions you have about Copperfield Church. You know, one of the things I like and I love about God's word is how sufficient it is and how uh, it's like a multifaceted diamond. And as you turn it and the, the light refracts on it in different ways, you see different elements of its beauty. And it's one of the things we're going to see today, just in this brief passage where we're going to look at John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27, is we consider uh, when Jesus saw his mother while he was on the cross. And so just direct your attention, John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27, if you have your Bibles. And I would invite you to stand with me out of respect for the reading of the word of God as we reflect for a few moments on the significance of what we find in this brief passage that we may be tempted to overlook as we read through the gospel. John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. This is God's word to us. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here's your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Maybe seated as we go to the Lord and ask his blessing upon his word. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would bless our time together. Lord, I, I pray for everyone in this room. I especially pray for those that are tired and, and, and longing for some peace and some hope today. Uh, Lord, I pray that for our mothers that are here that are watching. Uh, I pray that for um, those that are struggling on a day like today. Lord, your word is so good. It meets us in our needs. So, Father, I pray that you would do that this morning. Guard me from error and bless your people. I ask this in Jesus' holy name. The name is above every name. Amen. I I really, as I said, this this is a meditation. It's not a full-on exposition. If we were giving a full-on exposition, we would try to situate John 19, 25 to 27 in the whole span of John chapter 19. But we're going to just look at three uh, principles, lessons, significant elements that teach us something about Jesus here in this verse, or these verses, 25 to 27. The first thing that I would want us to see is something about the selfless love of Jesus. So if you're taking notes, you can make the note of the selfless love of Jesus. When I look at this passage, one of the things that I can see is the selfless love of of Jesus. Now, where is this reflected? I want you to just consider the first few words of verse 25. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. Near the cross of Jesus. I, I think that one of the temptations is that we have so domesticated the cross that we don't, we don't recognize the horror of that sentence. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. 
If, if you were a mother or a parent or a relative of someone that was being crucified in a moment, it, it would not be uh, rainbows and unicorns. It would be, in your mind, from your perspective, especially at that time, the most horrific thing that you could ever imagine happening, watching it happen to your son. So here, near the cross of Jesus, Mary is standing, watching her son. And what do we find here? That as Jesus is in the most horrific, great distress, pain, agony of the cross, Jesus, the Son of God, looked upon his mother with a selfless love. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus was concerned about her. When, when everyone would have probably granted him a pass, right? Like, can, can you imagine holding it against Jesus? If in the moment of crucifixion, public shame, he would have maybe been focused upon his own pain? I mean, how many of you walk into a hospital room when someone has just finished having surgery and they're in pain and they're writhing and they're, they're struggling and you walk in and you say, hey, how are you doing? They go, oh, I'm doing terribly. And you go, well, you didn't say anything about my haircut. People go, this isn't about you in the moment, right? But, but while Jesus is in the midst of great suffering, he's looking after the needs of others. He's demonstrating a selfless love. And while Mary had other children, according to John 7, verse 5, other brothers, John 7, verse 5, says that these brothers did not at the time yet believe in Jesus. She was likely a widow, and Jesus felt the obligation of the firstborn to make sure that mom was taken care of before he was gone. There was a selfless demonstration of love in Jesus' part where everyone would have thought it's reasonable in this moment to be focused on your own pain and suffering, and yet Jesus thought about his mom. The second thing that we find here is the compassionate love of Jesus. Not only a selfless love, but a compassionate love of Jesus. He said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. It wasn't a look of pity in the selfless love. It was a look of compassion of how can I take care of her? It wasn't a, I wish I could do something, but rather I'm going to do something. Woman, here's your son. Disciple, here is your mother. Now, one of the things I think is interesting here is that we, we know from the book of Acts and we know from earlier in the book of John, he had other brothers, he had other siblings. And, the, and, and really, a natural Im- implication of that would be what? Well, they're going to take care of mom. That would be their expectation. That would, that would be what we would expect would happen in that situation. But there's something about what the Christian gospel comes and does where it actually redefines the way that we think about family. Mary, who is not the biological mother of the disciple whom he loved, which is almost positively John, the one writing the gospel. Interesting way to refer to yourself, right? He doesn't want to refer to himself as, you know, it's me, but it's the, it's the disciple that Jesus loved. And this is late enough that probably some of the other 
Uh, gospel writers, yeah, that's a nerd thing. I'm, I'm not going to, that's how sermons get long is when I start talking about things like that. You want to know why that's interesting? Come see me whenever you don't have to take your mom out to eat. <clears throat> Anyways, Jesus, the disciple, um, Jesus, the disciple Jesus loved and his mother. And so he looks at something and they both are believers in him. They trust in him. And while they're not biologically related, there's a nature of their relationship where Jesus understands that to love one's neighbor, to to fulfill the law, is going to be the obligation that the disciple is going to come alongside and care for those in the context of the church, which shouldn't surprise us because what do we find uh, later on in New Testament teaching is that widows are supposed to be taken care of. James, likely the half-brother of Jesus, who's writing the book of James, he actually writes of how pure and undefiled religion is what? Taking care of widows and orphans in their need. So maybe he kind of figured it out afterwards and came to see that his brother was, in fact, who he said that he is. But Jesus' compassionate love reflects itself, and and it changes the dynamic, and not that it relativizes biological relationship, but prioritizes a spiritual relationship where John, the writer of this gospel, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, recognize that they are in a familial relationship, not necessarily because of biology, but because of the spiritual nature of their relationship to Jesus. They trust him. I think that is interesting and wonderful news. The mother and son relationship was not biological in this context, but the spiritual relationship that they had because of their trust in Jesus resulted in a physical obligation in a relationship where they would care for each other. And what does it say? From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Now, I don't know how long Mary lived. I think it's interesting though, right? That the man that's writing this gospel, probably late, late gospel, uh, I would say late first century, uh, 80 AD, late 70 AD. He's writing this and who did he live with? Who, who did he have living with him for some time? The mother of Jesus. Now that would Again, some nerdy things in there that you can go back and think on later regarding the details that John sees and is interested in revealing in his gospel. But it's just interesting to see how Christ's love for his mother and his love for his disciple works itself out in a desire to see them. And once it's brought together where there is going to be mutual care and instruction and wisdom shared in a mutual manner because he loves them, again, This selfless love manifests itself in compassion. And then here's the third point that I would bring out in this passage for us this morning. This is the final point that I'm going to make, and then I'll make some conclusions and a few applications. Not only do we have a selfless love, not only do we have a compassionate love, but lastly, we have an obedient love. We have an obedient love, the obedient love of Jesus. Now, this is the one that that might be a little bit hard to discern because I'm not going to reference an exact statement. I want to read the whole passage again, and I want us to think about one aspect. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sisters, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. So, What's important to see is that last phrase, from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. That's explaining for us what exactly it means for woman, here's your son, son, here's your mother. Now, Jesus, as we have said, he's the only sinless human being to ever live. 
the only sinless human being that ever lived. But we also say that he, in his life, what did he do? He perfectly fulfilled God's law. Perfectly fulfilled God's law. With his dying breath, he fulfilled God's law. Now, again, think just for a second. How how easily in our culture we would excuse disobedience in crisis situations, right? So, you have a child that gets injured and you are trying to make it to the emergency room. What parent goes, well, the speed limit's 35. I mean, I've got to, got to drive the speed limit. You, you say, well, if that cop's going to get me, he's going to have to catch me. And he's going to have to catch me at the ER door. And you go, completely understandable, right? Times of great crisis. And sometimes would make us suggest maybe there's a time where we could, we could lay aside the need to be obedient. Not with Jesus, though. Jesus, with his dying breath, is fulfilling the fifth commandment. What's the fifth commandment? Honor your father and your mother, that your life may be long in the land. You go, but honor. Now, many of us were taught, and we're going to dig into this as we look at Deuteronomy. I thought about preaching a Mother's Day sermon out of Deuteronomy, but the next section in Deuteronomy was just really bad news. And I, and I was like, I really can't spin a Mother's Day sermon out of this, so we're going to preach a Mother's Day sermon. So... We're going to look at what it means to, to honor your father and your mother. And, you know, there's an aspect of honoring your father and your mother you think about, and it, we've kind of taught it, you know, it's like, don't talk back to your mom. And that, that's it. That is certainly it, okay? Okay? But there's an aspect of it that more, is more tied to supporting one's mother or father in their older age. And, in fact, you see Jesus had that tension where Pharisees were doing what? They were not caring for their own parents. Instead, they were giving special tithes and they were dedicating certain things to the temple. They were going, well, it's Corban. And Jesus says, see, you're excusing the responsibility of what's explicitly taught to you that you should honor and take care of your parents so that you can be righteous in the eyes of your friends through obedience to your traditions. You're going to see... Paul talk about this again in 1 Timothy. It's why Paul tells Timothy to honor widows that are truly widows. You're like, what does that mean? A, a widow that's truly a widow in Paul's mind. Now, if, if keep in mind, I, th- I think that we have some. I think that we have some flexibility regarding how we care for uh, people in the context of our own church. If we have the ability to do so, we ought to do so. But what Paul doesn't want to happen is he doesn't want widows that are truly widows to be um, neglected. Because there are people that actually have support, um, they, they can receive it. So what, Jesus, what Paul teaches Timothy is that this is what the church should do. Is a woman that has nobody is the woman that ought to be prioritized in the context of the church. And if someone has children, those children ought to take care of their parents. Don't neglect obedience to the fifth commandment that says take care of your parents. Now if someone doesn't have kids, they don't have people, Paul says... That's a widow that's truly a widow, and the church better step up. Kids ought to take care of their parents whenever they're older. That's, 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 that's what that passage means. So when Jesus is here, he is moments 
He is moments from breathing his last breath. Now, keep in mind, I'm saying all of this from the perspective that I know what's going to happen three days after he gets put in the tomb. But even Jesus recognizes that while he is going to live again, it's not going to be in the same way of relationship to Mary because he's going to live again. He's going to send the spirit. He's going to send into heaven. But, but there's still a need for somebody to take care of mom. I think it's interesting. Jesus does not spiritualize everything and just act like, well, you know, the only thing that matters is spirituality. He says, yes, spirituality matters and spiritual. Fruit manifests itself in physical opportunities to care for others. So the obedient love of Jesus leads him to say, with my dying breath, I'm going to keep the law. And the law says, take care of your mom and your dad. And likely Joseph has died. And because he is gone, Mary is going to be a widow And the oldest son in complete obedience as the sinless son of God fulfills the law And he is providing for her even in one of the darkest moments of his life. The love of Jesus is selfless, it is compassionate, and it is obedient. He does not divert from following and fulfilling all righteousness. He honors his mother. He takes care of her in her need. Which teaches us and reminds us that not only does he care for her, but he cares for us. Jesus loves you. I know that that's the song that we sing That is deeply significant. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. His heart is full of compassion toward you. He does not begrudge the work that he accomplished on behalf of sinners on the cross. I mean, I know, I know how my flesh would respond. I'm just being completely transparent with you this morning. If I have to make that type of sacrifice for you and you're standing around, I'm probably reminding you how great of a sacrifice I'm making for you, right? I do that over baseball. I'm like, I hope you know what mom and dad are having to give up so that you can play baseball. So you can do gymnastics I want people to know the sacrifice. I want people to to honor me. And what is Jesus doing? He's seeking to love and show compassion in the moment. He does not begrudge the work that he accomplishes for you. Mothers, as we consider the relationship between Jesus and his mother this morning, I simply want you to be reminded of the hope that you have in Jesus. Motherhood is hard. Parenting is hard. Mary's hope came through Jesus. Now, this should not be controversial because I am a Protestant to say this. But even Mary confessed in the Magnificat in Luke 1.47, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She needed a savior, as we all need a savior. And God provided the very thing that we all need, a savior that would save his people from their sins. Moms, there are probably many, many times when you feel 
overwhelmed, you feel insufficient, you feel like a failure, you feel like a sinner, you're tired, you feel unappreciated, you feel like you cannot please those that are in your life, take heart. Your salvation does not depend on how your children turn out. Isn't that good news? I'm surprised someone didn't say amen. <laughs> Maybe your kid's here with you. <laughs> amen. My salvation does not depend on my children. Does that mean that I, that I don't care about my children? Of course not. My salvation depended upon the child of one woman. Her salvation depended upon her child. The only child that could ever bring salvation. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born of Mary. The feelings of insufficiency and being overwhelmed and being tired and unappreciated. Mom, dad, sinner. Your salvation does not depend upon what you produce. Your hope does not rest in what other people think about you. Your salvation this morning, praise God, is rooted in the selfless, compassionate, obedient love of Jesus, the only rock upon which we can build. The same love that saved and provided for Mary can save all mothers and can, in fact, save all people that are here today who put their trust in him alone. Be encouraged. Be encouraged that this Christ, this one full of selfless love, compassion, and obedience, loves you. He looks upon you with mercy, and he welcomes you into his rest. Would you pray with me this morning? As you reflect on the message this week, feel free to reach out to our staff by emailing care at copperfieldchurch.com. We would love to hear from you and pray for you. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and our other podcast, Equipped for Good. Thanks for listening.